the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. Ready? Ready. All right, here we go. From the 10, throwing end zone. Spectacular catch. They're saying it's a catch. Touchdown. You see, most gamblers, when they go to gamble, they go to win. Oh, my God. That's incredible. Big bank, small bank, I like to make money. All right. That is the ultimate kibosh. You want to bet? <laughs> and we are underway. Welcome to the Action Network Podcast, presented by BetMGM. I'm Jill Galan. I'm joined with Evan Abrams each and every week, our research director here at the Action Network. We're going to dive into all the Sunday NFL action for Week 8. And Brandon Anderson will have his hot reads later in the show. And, of course, Patrick Everson from Vegas Insider. He'll give us an update on the sportsbooks in Vegas and how they fared this NFL Sunday. But before we talk about Sunday, Evan, let's talk about Monday Night Football. Raiders, Lions, Lions home favorites around seven and a half. Uh, with the over-under at 46. Now, this one's a little tricky for me because I don't love spread. Um, and I'll tell you why. So Jared Goff, for me, is a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde and usually pertains to home and away splits. So when you look at his stats as a Detroit Lion, he's much better offensively at home. He's got a 3-1 to touchdown-to-interception ratio, whereas on the road it's about 1-1. to you have these stats here, 15 and five against the spread at home over the last three years, whereas it's 11 and seven against the spread on the road. I think that directly correlates to how the Lions perform offensively. But uh, for me, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to love this at the seven and a half, even though it, it was at eight, it went down to seven and a half. It might get down to seven. I think I'd be okay with playing the Lions or, uh, at seven, but that seven and a half, that hook is really uh, talking me off of it here. Yeah, I think Raybon played it at seven. I think seven's a good number for the situation. It was as high as like eight and a half. I think, you know, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, who's, I believe, you know, a little bit questionable with an illness, supposed to play. Um, I think it probably has some sort of impact, but not a ton. I mean, no Montgomery. So you start like, you know, putting injuries together there and for sure. have yeah. some sort of impact on their offense. Uh, I mean, I think from like a market point of view, the Lions have been getting, I mean, hammered from a public standpoint. They had like 93% of bets supporting us. Now it's down to wow. 85%. Uh, it's, you know, 24 hours or so before kickoff. I imagine that's going to come down. But just for perspective, no team has closed with 85% of tickets or higher in a night game since 2004. So if it even stayed in that 80 to 85 range, I mean, it's... I mean, Lions are definitely a, a public side on Monday night. Um, and you mentioned and out of all teams. Yeah. Just, that's what's crazy is that it's the Lions that are achieving the status. So you're not getting like, you know, a Chiefs or, you know, the Patriots I mean, yeah. at home or something like that. That's insane to me. But the Lions are the new public boys. Like everybody loves, you know, especially at home, right? And you've got uh, the Raiders in kind of a disarray on the other side. Mm-hmm. I and mean, everyone likes yep. betting the Lions. They're putting up points. Uh, so we'll see. Well, and, and speaking of that, that's kind of why I kind of like the over in this game more sure. so than I would like the the, the the Lions at seven and a half. Now, if the Lions do get down to seven, uh, you know, follow Raybon's lead. Let's get let's get the seven there uh, <laughs> covering that spread. But with an over under at 46. And again, as I told you how this Lions offense performs at home. And then you've got Jimmy Garoppolo coming back on the other side. And we've seen how this Raiders offense has gone. And I'm not going to pretend like. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is this offensive dynamo, but 
again, Brian Hoyer in the lineup last week, Aiden O'Connell to a lesser extent, it's a big drop off from Jimmy Garoppolo to those two. So uh, I feel like as well, part of the reason why you don't want to take a seven and a half because Jimmy G in this passing offense, they could get some cheap passing touchdowns at the end of this game, spoil your ticket. So I want no part of that spread. I think you would want to look at the over 46 from a touchdown score perspective. I cannot believe Jacoby Myers is still around plus 300 in this offense, especially with Jimmy coming back, because the Lions have struggled against the slot. They've actually allowed uh, the second most touchdowns to the slot this year, the third most catches. Jacoby Myers is tied for the most targets uh, inside the 10, both with Devontae. Now, Devontae, uh, you know, squeaky wheel, he'll probably score this (laughs) week as well, around plus 110, plus 120, but... If you're going to give me a secondary receiver who's playing in the slot, and this is clearly one of the Lions' weaknesses and giving it to me at plus 300, I'm going to take this almost every time. I've been playing a lot of plus money interception props, Evan, and plus money interception props have really been cleaning up this year, uh, hitting around 60% uh, this season, and I'm going to do a bigger report on this uh, around Tuesday. Uh, But uh, Jared Goff interception around plus 135, I don't love it uh just because again this Raiders defense they do get past pressure uh on dropbacks but it, again it's just one of those situations that Jerichoff has been so clean at home that I would probably need closer to plus 150 to feel good about that sure yeah I mean even if you look at Detroit for a second it's actually a huge spot right coming off a loss at home prime time with a buy on deck so I mean th- you know to put a to drop an egg in this one and not look good would be kind of shocking yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, let's look at the over in this game. We'll look at Jacoby Myers for a touchdown. And if you want to be dangerous, you could throw a Jared Goff interception in there around plus 135, just with the way that plus money interception props have been hitting so far this season. All right, let's move on to Sunday. Um no teams on by this week. Uh, we had six teams on by last week. It felt like it was almost like a quicker show just because we didn't have as many teams and games to focus on. But now full slate might as well be week one. Uh <laughs> Dogs go four and nine straight up, six, five, and two against the spread, though. Uh, unders uh, go six and seven. It was actually seven and six. It's an over week entering Sunday night football, but unders for the year, 70, 48, and one against uh, uh, going to the under. But let's talk about the public sides now. Publics go nine and four straight up and seven, four, two against the spread this week entering Sunday night football. Yeah, it's still doing pretty well for us. Uh, the 63, 47, and five. Public best through eight weeks uh, in our bet lab since 2005. So second place is 2009. So it's been a while since we've seen it this run this good this long. Um, but the two trends I thought were interesting that kind of kept going is we had some big home dogs today. So we yep. Home dogs of seven or more. They went two zero and one against the spread. So now on the year eight zero and one. That's dogs of seven or more at home. Eight zero and one. And since the beginning of last year, 21-5-1 against the spread. So wow. really on a good run. Yeah, keep that in mind for those big home dogs. And one of those home dogs was the Denver Broncos today uh, facing yeah. the Chiefs. And speaking of the public sides, they went 9-4 and four straight up. But one of those four losses today had to have been to this Chiefs side where the Broncos do pull off the upset win 24-9. Chiefs do not cover or win outright as a a 6.5-point road favorites, and the total goes under 45.5. And And Evan, to me, the biggest story to take away is this is the Broncos' first win over the Chiefs in Mahomes' (laughs) career. Like I couldn't believe Broncos have lost 16 straight games to the Chiefs until today. Yeah, I can rattle them all off. Uh, Chiefs had 13 straight (laughs) AFC West wins. 
Uh, you know, so, some even bigger ones for Mahomes when you kind of uh, back out a little bit. 20-0 and 0 straight up on the road neutral as a favorite of over yeah. five points. 16-0 and 0 straight up road neutral versus the AFC West. So a lot of different streaks broken today. Um, listen, I, I, I think we've said it all year. I'll continue to beat this drum. Casey's offense is flawed. Like, they're just yeah. relying way too much on Kelsey, and there's just not enough other options. Uh, and we know the defense is legit, but sometimes you're going to have these games and you can't score nine points. Uh, so I, I will say this one, coming up for Germany, which is what's next yes. for the Chiefs. They play the <laughs> Dolphins. Uh, Chiefs are 9-3 and three against the spread with Mahomes after scoring 20 points or less in their last game. So usually the bounce back's there. The spread's under three in that next game, which is uh, for Mahomes minus three or less. Or a dog, nineteen six and one against the spread, so it's a good spot. Um, but when you just look at the box score here, yep, Denver won very telling. 20, Denver won twenty four to nine, but they had a three point seven yards per play and eighty seven pass yards, and Russ threw three touchdowns. Like <laughs> at halftime, this is the best stat. Russ at halftime was four of nine throwing the ball. He had 54 yards and two passing touchdowns. Like, I could not believe that they – and really what happened here is the Broncos' run game has actually been playing pretty well. They played pretty well last week. Uh, They put up 150 rush yards uh, today. And I think you kind of alluded to that where the the Chiefs' offense is very one-dimensional, but their defense has really been what's been keeping them in games. And they just weren't there today, especially uh, being able to uh, uh, stop the run. Also – the Broncos defense played pretty well, you know, forced five turnovers, you know, you, two interceptions from Mahomes, saw a fumble. There were two fourth down uh, conversions that did not go through. And to me, what's crazy is obviously this was Mahomes. He had a flu. I don't want to make any excuses sure. for the KC offense, but at the same time, I'm not really going to walk away from this game and think to myself, like, all right, is KC broken? Like, it's not really that kind of level of panic. But I think with the, the flip side, Broncos are now three and five. I had them crossed off after that <laughs> seventy point that seventy point game with the Miami. Like, I can't cross them off now because there is still a long shot chance of them making the playoffs in the AFC, and that is insane to me. Especially because uh, Cortland Sutton has just been so consistent for them. Six touchdowns now on the year for the Denver Broncos. How about this one? So the biggest hit of the day for any team in Week Eight and for a first team touchdown was Chiefs. Not to score at forty to one. Wow! I would have thought it would have been Andrew Beck, the the fullback uh, for the Texans. We'll talk about that game in a little bit later. But that one was to me. Uh, I mean, I had Damian Pierce touchdown. We'll talk about that later. But, uh, all right, let's move off from Chiefs Broncos, but let's move to Bengals 49ers, another banger of a matchup. Bengals went 31 to 17. Uh, 49ers do not cover as home favorites as minus five. And the Bengals were probably one of the most popular dogs uh, of the week. Uh, total does go over 43 and a half. Joe Burrow now. He looked back, man, uh, 21 and 10 against the spread on the road in his career as an underdog, 16 and eight against the spread. And when he's a dog of three or more, 15 and two against the spread, just like a machine, man. Yeah. And I guess when you say Burrow back, you kind of got to look recently and it looks right. Eight touchdowns, two picks in his last three games, all wins. They've looked better. They've looked, I mean, he looks cleaner. Uh, I haven't even checked the, uh, game charts and stuff like that in terms of downfield because that still wasn't something he was doing entering today right. but I, you know everything looked right I mean they were throwing to chase he caught a touchdown um looks good and from 
a San Francisco point of view, something's been up with Purdy. Like the offense does. I mean, I know no Debo. I know no Trent Williams. Uh, but, you know, this was at home. This was in a spot where we thought, okay, maybe he's a little shaky on the road, but this was a home game. There was like one of those passes, I think it was third, fourth quarter, where he just basically handed it to the other team in the red zone. Just not pretty. Uh, and this is a stat you've heard everywhere, but it's actually worth probably bringing up. So Niners 0-37 under Shanahan when trailing by eight-plus points in the fourth quarter in the regular season or playoffs. So wow. they don't come back, and Purdy looked bad. And Burrow just was the right side, you know. And I think the Bengals are now seventeen and zero as underdogs in six point teasers over the last year or two as well. Well, and so the the first couple of stats of just looking at the box score for Joe Burrow, obviously, if you're just watching the game though, in the first half, he had eighteen straight completions, wow, twenty eight for thirty two from the field. And one of the things that was also very alarming for this Niners defense: seventeen passing first downs allowed. Now, obviously, it's Joe Burrow, and when they're clicking, it's right, but. That's the most that they've allowed all season by any opponent. And they let a touchdown drive to go back up by 14 with Jamar Chase with eight minutes to go. And I hate to make light of this, man, just when you were talking about Brock Purdy, but he might be still concussed, man. Like That's fair. I don't know if he should have started. Like He was making some awful mistakes, a couple interceptions. He had a couple fumbles. And every time they had that turnover, it just put the 49ers in such a bad spot. Uh and the Purdy and the Niners are able to make it like a one score game in the fourth quarter, even though it was a one of those passes across the body that you're like, no, no, no. Oh, OK, McCaffrey got the touchdown. <laughs> but uh, this is just not the Niners team we're accustomed to. This is three straight games where their offense has only put up 17 points. I'm not even sure why they started him too. you have a bye week coming up. Like it was a decent spot to see Sam Darnold and not force a, a Purdy start. Like especially if you thought he could have been shaky, wasn't it, you know? You had a buy coming up. You could have given him an extra week. Um, yeah, just a weird one. How about the fact that Christian McCaffrey broke the consecutive touchdown streak in a game, like game streak? And that's probably the sixth thing that comes to mind when you think of that game. Like, just the, think of all the football players that have tried this, that have done this, and that Christian McCaffrey breaks this streak. And I don't even hear anybody it's a, it's talking about it. It's at 17 games, right? I believe. Yeah. Yeah, and he had two today. So uh, to me, it's just incredible that where we're at right now with him, and it's going to be such a uh, a race to the finish for Offensive Player of the Year between him and Tyreek Hill, who are both around plus 200 for Offensive Player of the Year uh, going forward, clearly the co-favorites. All right, let's talk now NFC East. Eagles commanders. Eagles win 38-31. to Washington does cover, though, as seven-and-a-half-point home dogs. Total does go over 42 and a half. And Evan, I just want to say this. I think the commanders just have the Eagles number. They have now covered against the Eagles in three straight games. Yeah. Uh, and I'll say this. One thing that Philly doesn't usually do is lose the first half. And they did today against Washington. So Bad Eagles now 19-5 and one first half money line uh, since the start of last season. So not usually the spot that they're in having to come from behind. Uh, I had this one on the favorites earlier when we were doing with Chad and Simon, and this is a crazy one. So Washington did lead 14-3 to in this game, and Philly came back to win. So the Eagles now 2-0 and on the year when trailing by 10-plus points, 6-4 and in their last 10 games when trailing by 10-plus points in those games, teams 13-77 and and during this week when trailing by 10-plus points. So Eagles obviously have a bit of a formula there. They can, can come from behind. Their defense is good enough. They get pressure. 
They've got enough weapons in the passing game. Uh, they're creative enough with Sirianni. Just a dangerous bunch. Um, so, and I can rattle off a few more. Just, you know, obviously Philly loses as a favorite a few weeks ago, but Hurts still ridiculous numbers. 28 and six straight up as a favorite. Uh, 28 and four when favored by three points or more. So they usually just get the wins. Yeah. And for me, what was really shocking was this Eagles defense. Um, it's just continuing to struggle. And I think one of the things that uh, I was really shocked with was we saw a tush push not work. <laughs> it's the first time I feel like we, in forever that it did not convert because they talk about that all the time. 92%, 92% that that play converts at 92% rate. We also, rate. Got, a, we also well, got a fake tush push. Yes, and for a touchdown to, to DeAndre Swift, which was amazing. <laughs> but but the commanders showed that the 8% is possible. You know, sure. And Hurts had a fumble on that play as well. And another thing that was really alarming, like the Eagles only had three rushing first downs today. And you saw when they lost to the Jets, like if you can limit the Eagles running the ball, you have a little bit more of a chance. But when you have a playmaker like A.J. Brown – and you know what's funny about A.J. Brown? He did an interview on Friday, and uh, he was speculating, you know, if the earth was flat. Well, <laughs> here's what I think. If you catch a one-yard touchdown like that, or like a one-hand touchdown like that, sure, there is no curve to the earth. Like, he had two touchdowns on the day, 125 yards for the sixth game in a row, first player ever. And also another thing, Joey Sly had this field goal today. It was a 61-yarder. I know it doesn't seem significant. Had room to spare. But it just made me feel old. Because I remember when someone would kick a 60-yard field goal, and it was like the lead story the next day on the <laughs> NFL Network. Now somebody kicks a 60-yard field goal, they're like, yeah, call me when you hit 70. You know, So that, that's one of those things that, uh, from a memory standpoint, that... We like, uh, we like when records are broken. We don't like, you know, it, it's new age. Uh, yeah, I, I 60 yards this. is just standard quo now. I will say this. The Eagles' schedule, I made a mark of this. Just hear what they've got coming up. It's absolutely absurd. So they play Dallas, then they have a bye, then Kansas City. Buffalo, San Francisco, then Dallas again, and then Seattle. So that is like three, that's six crazy games in a row. So we'll see how that goes for them. Brutal ride coming up. Yeah, and I'm really looking forward to seeing how this Eagles team matches up with the Cowboys. So we'll talk about the Cowboys and their uh, blowout over the Rams uh, here in a little bit. But uh, Evan, more memories are made when you're there for live NFL action. And when you need tickets, our friends at Ticketmaster have got you covered. As the official marketplace of the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you the 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze, and you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash NFL. The Action Network podcast is presented by BetMGM. Use bonus code ACTION when signing up to get up to $1,500 paid back in bonus bets if your first bet loses. For new users in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now it's time for the hot read from our own Brandon Anderson. Brandon, what do you have us looking for for early Week 9 lines? Hot rock! Blue 17! Nice rights! Ice cream! Jose! Blue the Raiders! 19! Louisville Soul Train! All right, let's do a little week nine hot read. 
Sunday, we got a big win for the hot read. We had Seattle minus two and a half on last week's hot read. That line closed at four, four and a half at most books. Seattle got the win. It was close. They won by four. If you had the hot read last Sunday, you rested easy. We cashed easily. If you waited to play until right before kickoff, you either pushed or lost outright. That is why we play the hot read. We're trying to get that closing line value, get ahead of these line movements. We lost the key number on that one. We won it with the hot read. So let's get to the hot read for week nine. We're going to go with the first two games on the slate. So Thursday night, we're getting ugly. Titans, Steelers. Under 37 and a half. I mean, look, can't you just already feel the aches in your body from watching the hits in this game? Titans, Steelers, how many times have we seen this sort of game over the years? This is a classic, ugly Thursday night game. We might get a pair of backups here. Kenny Pickett left the game with a shoulder injury. We might get Mitchell Trubisky. We don't know if Ryan Tannehill will play Thursday or if he will even be on the team still. Looks like Malik Willis and Will Levis, the rookie who got the start today. We're looking at backup quarterbacks on bad offenses. Both of these offenses entered the weekend, bottom 10 in DVOA. Pittsburgh, I don't need to tell you about them. Their offense stinks. Matt Canada, somehow still employed by an NFL offense. I don't see that going very well. The Titans are elite against the run. Pass defense is beatable, but now you're up to Mitch Trubisky, probably, or Kenny Pickett playing injured. On the other side, Will Levis looked pretty good today. So I think that's buying us a little bit of value here on the line. I thought the total would open a bit lower. But Atlanta's defense, not Pittsburgh's defense. Pittsburgh, top 10 by DVOA entering the weekend. Will Levis, four touchdowns in his debut, looked really good on those long balls. But late downs, when you got to make your money as a quarterback, when the team knows you got to throw, negative 0.6 EPA per play on late downs for Will Levis. Outside of those four touchdowns, 3.2 yards per attempt, only 2 of 11 success rate on those late downs. So the touchdowns count. They were great. He looked really good. But Pittsburgh on the road, another animal altogether. I think Will Levis, if he starts again, struggles in that spot. I don't really see Trubisky putting up a lot of points either. And you already know these Thursday short week games, just an ugly spot. You get not a lot of time to prep. Especially, it's a rough spot for for backup quarterbacks that haven't had a lot of time to practice anyways. Don't forget, too, this is the trade deadline this week. Tennessee has had rumors about Derrick Henry. They've had rumors about DeAndre Hopkins, who had a huge game on Sunday. He looks like a prime trade target. Those guys might not even be on the roster by the time we get to this kickoff Thursday night. And you know I got trends. Primetime unders. We love them. Last four years, 61% to the under in prime time. So far this season, 71% entering Sunday night's game. Non-Monday night unders since the, uh, over the last two decades when the total is 37 to 40. We're at 37 and a half right now. 42, 20, and 2 to the under. 68%. Just Thursday, Thursday unders 40 and below since 2010. 17 and 4 to the under. 17 and 4. So we're getting a lot of under trends here. I always want to watch for a low Thursday night total. And if this drops even further, under is at 37 and below the last four calendar years, 21, 6, and 1 to the under. 78% hit rate. I think it does get to 37 and below. I think it's already going to start moving. So let's do Steelers, Titans, under 37 and a half. And then let's go to Sunday morning. We're going back overseas. We're going to Germany. 
Chiefs-Dolphins, maybe the best international game that we've ever had before. I think that this line is mispriced. I'm going to grab the Chiefs minus two. All the talk in this game is going to be on the offense, right? Both offenses are so much fun. They're elite. Miami might even have the better offense this season. It looks like they probably do. The difference in this game is defense. The Chiefs' defense has been fantastic. Miami's defense has not been any good. Miami was pretty good on Sunday, probably their best defensive game of the season against the Patriots. Chiefs' defense has been top five by DVOA all season, fourth against the pass. I'm not really sure we can buy Miami in a big game like this yet. They look like front runners. They look like bullies. They've beaten up on the bad teams. But what happens when you play someone good? Lost to Philly by 14. Lost to Buffalo by 28. Miami has not beaten a team with a winning record at that time. They played them since week three a year ago. Week three a year ago since they beat a team like this. And guess what? The Chiefs have a winning record. They pretty much always do. I'm not worried about Pat Mahomes playing with the flu probably. He had an injury in his non-throwing hand. That stuff won't be an issue next week. I am a little worried about Miami. They're missing potentially still their left tackle, left guard, and center. It's no mistake that the offense has fallen off a little bit with that line not healthy. On defense in the secondary, Javon Holland, Xavier Howard are questionable. They didn't play today. We don't know if they'll go next week. Jalen Ramsey is back, but we don't know how necessarily he'll hold up after his first game back. So injury report, I think, could favor Kansas City and maybe take us past a key number here, too, if it starts moving at all. International favorites in games that are not featuring the Jaguars, 22-9 and ATS all-time, 71%. Look, it's a neutral field, so you just take the team we know is better. Chiefs are better. Patrick Mahomes, when he has anything that is not a three-and-a-half-point favorite or more, 14-4-1 ATS all-time, 78%. And he's 14-3 straight up after a loss. I think the Chiefs get the win. They bounce back. They're the better team. Give me the Chiefs minus two. So week nine hot reads, Thursday night, Titans-Ravens under 37.5. And And Sunday morning in Germany, give me the Chiefs minus two against the Dolphins. All right. Thank you, Brandon. All right, Evan, let's keep moving here. Jets-Giants. Jets win. 13-10 Thirteen to ten in the Battle of New York, <laughs> the Jets do cover as two and a half point favorites, and the under comfortably hits of thirty five. Again, when an under of when a total is thirty five and the under comfortably hits, you have to feel really good here because this might have been one of the ugliest fun games of the year. And can you put in co- in context like how low this total is just historically? Sure. So even at one point today, it hit thirty four and a half. <laughs> which was tied for the second lowest total over the last decade. Uh, it did close at 35. Uh, it was the third total of 35 or less since 2020, and all three of those games went under. Uh, so a bit of history. Uh, and honestly, it's probably what I would expect. If you would have told me, here was the game where the Jets closed minus three. It was the biggest favorite of Zach Wilson's career. What do I think the game would look like? And that, that was probably it. And honestly, it might have been the most shocking thing of the day that Graham Gano, like of the everything that happened today, Graham Gano missing probably a gimme field goal, and then Zach Wilson improbably <laughs> leading the Jets back into field goal range with only 24 seconds to go in the game, and then another field goal in overtime. To me, that was insane. Uh, more insane than seeing third-string quarterback Tommy DeVito, who... Scored a rushing touchdown, but did not attempt to throw 
after the second quarter, finished 0-4 passing on the day. So it's a pretty big drop-off when you're going from Daniel Jones to Tyrod Taylor to now Tommy, (laughs) don't call me Danny DeVito. Shout out to Don Bosco Prep, though. Tommy DeVito. (laughs) Uh, yeah. I, I know he did did go there. I will say this about Zach Wilson, though. I know he had the fumble, but one interception in his last 170 pass attempts. Like, can't be mad at that if you're Sala. That, I mean, he's, no. he's turning over the ball, I guess, in certain ways, since I believe he, he has a few fumbles recently. But he's not throwing picks, which was his issue. He's keeping the Jets in the games. They're winning, I guess you can call it that. And then they have the Chargers on deck at home on Monday Night Football. It's a big game. Big game. So the conclusion is is that Zach Wilson, the floor is raising, but the (laughs) ceiling remains the same. So (laughs) I don't think we're going to be seeing any type of offensive scoring fireworks. But again, we're starting to see a little bit more clean uh, pocket and clean game for Zach Wilson. All right, another fun game today, Saints-Colts. Saints went 38 to 27 and the total goes way over at 44 and a half and the Saints do cover as two and a half point road favorites. But I want to talk more about this total, Evan, because <laughs> what happened to the Saints unders? Saints were six and one to the under this year, 12 and one in the last 13 games, 15, two in the last 17. Instead, we come into this game seeing 41 combined points at halftime finishes with 65 points total. I think here's the formula, right? Saints defense, really, really good. I think that formula makes unders. But I think Derek Carr isn't a quarterback for unders. I would have to look it up, see what he is in his career. But my guess is he's a little erratic. And he throws it far. He gets intercepted. Things happen when he plays quarterback. He leads to overs. I also, I'll say this, and I wrote this in my notes, with Minshew, the Colts just play chaos games. Like, I think that's just something you have to get used to, that wherever he goes or whatever he does, his style just creates points for both teams. Uh, the yeah. same, You know, even on the Saints side of the ball, which, like we said, we saw a ton of unders prior to, you know, two weeks ago. Saints had 500 yards of offense and 7.7 yards per play. Colts defense have allowed 38, 39, and 37 in their last three games. <laughs> It's just when you mix that with Minshew, you're, you're just you're walking into a you know a game of fireworks. Absolutely, and and I, I will I will give credit to Derek Carr. He still could throw a hell of a deep ball. Sure. I still think he's cooked. But <laughs> Rashid Shaheed made it look very easy for him today. Three catches for 155 yards and a touchdown. But my big question is is why are the Colts paying Jonathan Taylor? Like wh- why are you paying him? You're you're first and goal at the two. He gets one carry. And they settle for a field goal. Now, that was earlier in the game. He had a nice run earlier in the game. But Zach Moss was doing most of the heavy lifting for them. To me, I just don't pay running backs. Like, why is this even an issue anymore? This whole thing about having to pay Jonathan Taylor, because what he did two years ago, uh, just blows my mind. And I'm sick of hearing about him. And honestly, (laughs) uh, I, I don't really think much of the Colts. But like I said, I do like to bet on touchdown scores and overs now when Gardner Minshew is involved. I will say this, though. Colts have scored 20 points in every game this season. Nine straight games of 20 points or more. Longest streak in the NFL. There's just something about they're, – they're not a team you would think about when offense tum, you know, no. comes, but they score points. Uh, well, even that Browns game yeah. last week, that was like 39-38. to 38. Like Correct. that game was one of the lowest totals of the week. Yeah. Uh, and Indy plays at Carolina. 
and then we send the beautiful offenses of the Colts and Patriots <laughs> to Germany. So good luck. Don't let, don't let them come yeah. back. Just, yeah. Yeah, let's just let them play over Enjoy. there. Enjoy. Take, take them. <laughs> All right, let's move over to Browns Seahawks. Seahawks win 24 to 20. Uh, the score looks much closer, but again, this came really down to the final drive. Uh, Seahawks do not cover, though, as four and a half point favorites, and the over does hit at 39 and a half. Let's talk about how we got over that total because Geno Smith gets the game winning touchdown with 30 seconds to go to Jackson Smith Najingba, um, seals the over, but again, they only win by four. Honestly, I feel like the Seahawks should have won by 25 or more, man. P.J. Walker should have had like five interceptions today. And neither team really looked great offensively. And everything up until the final six minutes was just a slog. A lot of turnovers, bad throws. And then Geno Smith probably has the best drive of the year on arguably the best defense in the NFL, which I don't know if I'm going to call them that anymore because they've now allowed 63 points in just the last two games. Yeah, they are who we thought they were. Like, I just not, not sure I actually learned much about either team. <laughs> like, Gino does what what makes Gino not the best or in the yes. top tier. P.J. Walker does what P.J. Walker tends to do now, which is do just enough to find a half point to a point either way of the spread. And they ended up covering by, like, a half point in this game. P.J. Yep. Walker now 7-2 and two against the spread in his career, covering by 10.3 points per game. So... Market doesn't like PJ Walker, but when you play for a defense like Cleveland, you tend to find yourself around you know the margin. Um, yeah, I will say. Do you know that? Yeah. Did you know that he was the only quarterback that had a over under of one and a half for his interceptions <laughs> today? There's only been one quarterback since the start of last year who has had the That's one and incredible. a half line. That was Zach Wilson last year, and now PJ Walker. He had it a couple of times with Carolina last year, and then had it again in this game against Seattle. Yeah, that's an, that's an incredible note. Uh, I was going to say this, which is actually a decent spot, and I had it circled in the preseason. Teams on the second leg or later of a road trip when facing Seattle. So when you're hopping cities and Seattle's mm-hmm. the next stop, 12 and 38 straight up. Uh, so Cleveland this week, mm-hmm. it's actually Washington in week 10, Philly in week 15. So Seattle, not the easiest trip. And mm-hmm. when you're going from road to road, you know, a bit of a tough spot. Yeah. All right. Let's do you have anything more to mention on that? I, I want to talk about Ravens Cardinals here because go. this game, we could have probably had it in the A block with the way <laughs> that this has gone and the way that that ending was. So again, Ravens win 31 to 24, but the Ravens do not cover as 10 point road favorites. The over hits of 45. So here's how my notes went. When I originally <laughs> was writing this, I said in the first half, the Cardinals are starting to look like the worst team in the NFL. They keep trailing off in the second half. But then they started to come through in this game. And one of the notes, too, that I was really surprised with is because coming into this game, the Ravens had outscored their opponents 55-6 to in the first quarter. This is the first game that they were held to a draw against an opponent. And the Cardinals, in my opinion, they covered this game twice. Like, they come back with the garbage time touchdown to Trey McBride and then get the two-point convert. Ravens then come back to score. Gus Edwards gets his third touchdown of the game. And then Josh Dobbs leads them down the field again, and Hollywood Brown, with the poetic revenge, gets the garbage time touchdown to seal that cover. And I mean, they even had an onside kick where they got another field goal. I, I thought for sure that they were going to probably tie this game up. I'm glad you took my spiel, because I had it all written out. Because the end of this game, and how the gambling story basically got Arizona inside unreal. the number was just absolutely bonkers. You know, when you look at the box score, I feel like 
you go back and forth. You say, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. It was just Dobbs' interceptions. Kind of was the difference in the game. Kept Baltimore there, grinded it out, grinded it out. They were the better team. You know, they probably should have covered, to be honest with you. They were cut, they're up 14 or so late in the game. Uh, I mean, the one thing that's interesting, and the way the Cardinals season started out, 3-0 and against the spread, nobody's betting on them. Well, still nobody's gambling on them, and then they figure no. out a way. They have, they're the only team right now in the NFL that hasn't been a public side yet this year. Uh, Carolina closed public today. So that that is it. And next week, they're not going to be public either. Uh, no. So it's just nobody wants to bet on this team, and, and Dobbs keeps finding a way. But Dobbs is 1-9 straight up in his career. For sure. And what, one of the stats we brought up last week is now Lamar is 16-1 and one straight up against the NFC. And now they've got Seattle up on the do- <laughs> on the next game here. So keep that in mind when you're looking at the spread and the, and, uh, and the sides here. Uh, all right, let's run through two of these games here. I, I don't really want to go too deep into them. But again, you talked about that public side with the Panthers, Texans, Panthers. Panthers win a snoozer 15-13. to 13. Uh, Texans did not cover as three and a half point favorites and the under hits at 43 and a half interesting note about frank reich and the panthers this year now five and two uh against the first half spread uh this year but uh what was really interesting for me the big takeaway is there were three touchdowns in this game and they were all over plus 500 or more cj stroud at plus 500 tommy tremble was around plus 1200 and andrew beck was at 16 to one (laughs) and To me, that was incredible. Um, Eddie Pinero did make up for his earlier mistake. I thought that missed extra point when Tommy Tremble caught that touchdown because they were down uh, 10 to 9 for a lot of the game. I thought that was going to cost them. Ends up making it up with an easy winner. And now the Panthers are no longer winless, and the Cardinals and the Panthers now have the same record. Uh, Patriots, Dolphins. Dolphins win pretty easily, 31 to 17. Total does go over at 46 and a half, and the Dolphins do cover seven and a half point favorites. I know you love me ragging on the Patriots here, so I'll ring these off real quick. Mac Jones now 4-15 against the spread as a dog in his career. Tua is 16-5 and against the spread at home and is actually 6-0 and against the spread in his career versus Bill Belichick. Uh, did keep them a little bit in the game, though. Early interception from Tua, the turnover luck. I thought this was going to start to go the Patriots' way. There was a fumble in the third quarter. I thought also the weather was going to impact this game. We talked with Nick Giffen, uh, you know, in the luck unders and talking about this game. I thought weather was going to impact the scoring. Then you see a bomb to Tyreek <laughs> over the top for another touchdown. And I was like, okay, the Patriots are done. I, <laughs> I don't have to see you anymore. Uh, and one interesting stat too, uh, Evan, before we move on, is the Dolphins now are averaging 43 and a half points per home game so far this season. Wow. Now it's a little ballooned, obviously, from that seventy-point game. But I mean, they put up thirty-one. They put up thirty-one now in two straight home games. So again, their offense is still clicking when they're playing in South Beach. It'll be interesting to see if they're able to keep that over and uh, bring that over the over the water uh, to uh, Germany. All right, now we have four games left, and Evan, all four of these games have some quarterback questions as far as injuries of what happened today so I'm going to bring them off here so Jaguars Steelers Steelers have the quarterback issue now with uh, Kenny Pickett getting hurt but the Jaguars do win 20 to 10 Uh, the total does go under 41 and a half and the Jaguars do cover as two and a half point favorites Uh, before we uh, move on I just want to mention Jaguars have now won and covered five straight games and this was a complete rah-rah Mike Tomlin spot as a home dog and the fact that uh, uh, the Jaguars just went in and took that I think that was pretty impressive Uh, Falcons Titans 
Titans win 28 to 23. The total does go over the 35 and the Falcons lose as road favorites. But the quarterback carousel that we're dealing with now, Desmond Ritter benched, finally been saying it for about eight (laughs) weeks now. Taylor Heineke in the game didn't look great in the second half. Let's see a full week of practice here and see what he looks like going forward. And then Rams Cowboys, uh, Cowboys win fairly easily, forty-three to twenty. Total goes over a forty-five and a half. Cowboys win as six and a half point favorites. But Matthew Stafford looked like he effed up his thumb pretty bad on a throw. Uh, was getting the shit kicked out of him pretty much the entire game anyway, and that's really been his mo in his career anyway. But at the same time, we might be seeing Brett Ripien going forward for the Rams. And finally, Vikings Packers, probably the biggest quarterback injury of the four. Vikings do win 24 to 10. The total does go under the 40 and a half and the Packers lose as home favorites. But the big news coming out of this game, Evan, Kirk Cousins going down with a Achilles injury, uh, tearing his Achilles, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, It didn't look good in real time. Um, And, you know, Justin Jefferson was potentially coming back in a couple of weeks. The division felt wide open for them. And the luck continues to smite the Vikings here in this spot. So of the four, if I had to give you Kirk Cousins, Going to their backup, Rams, Steelers, and Falcons. Is it the Vikings that we have the most concern with going forward? I think it has to be, right? Yeah, I think it's the Vikings for sure. Uh, actually, it'll be Vikings at Atlanta. Uh, so two of these will you know, kind of have to rub against each other. But I think we agree Heineke coming in, probably a good decision uh, versus having to go to a backup in Minnesota, not so good of a decision. So, you know. We'll see how that goes. But I, I think Minnesota really is going to need some help. They have at Atlanta, and then they're going to face a New Orleans team that's, you know, going to put up points. Uh, you know, as we talked about earlier, Carr tends to do that. So, And they're going to probably have to lean on the running game, which scored their first rushing touchdown of the year. Cam Akers, not <laughs> Alex Madison, uh, scored the first rushing touchdown. But, uh, I mean, Green Bay had nothing going, really. And what's sad is, is that, uh, to not go too deep into the Packers, but this is the Packers of what they look like when they're healthy. It's not a good look. So uh, this division now feels like it's the Lions to win. I'm not going to get too down. I, this is the second time we've seen Kenny Pickett go down this season, and Mitch Trubisky coming in. I don't really think there's much of a drop-off between the two. I still believe in the Steelers' infrastructure as far as that goes. But again, sure. not a tough uh, – a, a tough loss there today. Um, as we said with Taylor Heineke, this was long overdue. And then uh, finally, Matthew Stafford. I mean, I was pretty uh, high on the Rams coming into this year, especially after they got that win over Arizona and Cooper Cup coming back and how Nakua looked that I thought maybe the Rams could be a frisky team to be able to make a wild card spot here. And I don't know if I can really, even with Stafford back, they're just, their offensive line does not protect. And I think that's part of the reason why Stafford has been so dinged up this year. So I think uh, going forward, I wouldn't be uh, too high on the Rams prospects as far as how the far they'll go in the NFC. All right. So that's the full slate. Now let's check in with Patrick Everson with Vegas Insider to see how Sportsbooks fared in Las Vegas for week eight. Thanks a lot, Jill. It's good to be on once again on this Action Network podcast. It was actually shaping up to be really a hit-and-miss day for the books, maybe a decent day for the betters after the games in the early window, NFL Week 8 Sunday. But the afternoon window really cleaned things up once again for the third week in a row in favor of the odds makers, and that is because what really bookmakers were looking for all day was a key favorite to lose outright. Didn't have that happen with the Dolphins. Really needed it to happen with either the Chiefs, 
or the Ravens or the Niners or the Eagles if they'd gotten them in the early window. But obviously, they didn't get the Dolphins or the Eagles in the early window, but got both the Chiefs and the Niners in the late window. Cincinnati pulls away from the San Francisco 49ers. And the Chiefs surprisingly lose to my Denver Broncos, only put up nine points and turned the ball over, I think, five times. So those were two huge results. It was, like I said, it was going to be a hit and miss day for the books, perhaps a, a decent day, especially if the favorites had come through in the late window on Sunday. But since they didn't, again, the books did really, really well to this because with the Chiefs losing outright, and the Niners losing outright, a whole lot of money line parlays. And certainly with regard to the Chiefs uh, teasers, they were one of the most highly played teaser teams of the week at multiple sports books, including at BetMGM. Those ended up being a couple of really good results behind the counter. So it looks like the public's going to take it on a chin for the third straight week. There's always some regression to the mean during the course of the NFL season. And, and, and this week was certainly one of them. I had one odds maker tell me, he said, look, it was really a mixed bag. He literally called it a mixed bag among those early games uh, with the Dolphins and the Vikings, big losers. The Vikings got a whole lot of money this week. And obviously they got problems next week. We'll get to that in a moment. But he came back and said, we had a fantastic afternoon highlighted by the Broncos win. He said, it looks like another very solid Sunday for us, despite the mixed bag in the early games. And then from Scott Shelton at BetMGM, he said, we had another nice Sunday. 49ers and Chiefs going down was basically our entire day. He said, we did take a couple of big bets on both those favorites. And basically every parley and teaser that was still alive got wiped out by those by those two results. Looking ahead to the Monday nighter, and it's not the most interesting game, to be sure. You've got the Las Vegas Raiders traveling across the country to play the Detroit Lions, but the Detroit Lions are certainly a very public team. I've noted that over the last couple of weeks, and in just looking over some early numbers, again, these are from BetMGM, and it was pretty heavy to the Lions on the spread. In fact, early spread tickets 5-1, to one, early spread money 4-1 to one on the Lions. Money line a little bit more evenly distributed, but you can bet that you're going to see the Lions in a lot of money line parlays. Whatever money line parlays survive Sunday, people are going to play the Lions there, and you're certainly going to see the Lions as a teaser play in all likelihood as well. And then I spoke with an odds maker tonight about some of the opening numbers and some of the early action on the Week Nine games. And I think what's most interesting is uh, the Bills Bengals game. That's certainly one of the better games on the docket. Opens at Pickham. Really quickly on this Sunday evening, got bet out to Bengals minus one and a half and then Bengals minus two. So that's already up two points off the pick'em opener after the Bengals had that impressive win at San Francisco. And Buffalo has looked pretty shaky the last few weeks, even though the Bills did beat the Buccaneers in week eight. Uh, another interesting one that's, you know, needs to stay on your radar a little bit. It's not really a high profile game necessarily, but that Vikings Falcons game. Kirk Cousins out with the torn Achilles. This game probably would have opened Vikings 1. At, at, at most, it would have been Pickham. It might have been Vikings 1, maybe even Vikings 2. Instead, you have the Falcons opening minus 3.5 and, and already out to minus 4. And then in the Eagles-Cowboys game, that's been a mover early. Eagles open minus 3.5, go to 3 a couple of times with some uh, uh, some sharp action probably coming in on the Cowboys, impressed by the Cowboys' win. And I should throw out real quick, the first game on next Sunday's docket is from Frankfurt, Germany. You got the Kansas City Chiefs against the Miami Dolphins. And this game opens Chiefs minus two and a half. And what the odds maker told me was, look, we're trying not to overreact. And we're keeping in mind that Miami hasn't beaten any good teams yet. Thank you, Patrick. And thank you, Evan. And thank you for everybody for listening to the Action Network podcast presented by BetMGM. Enjoy Monday Night Football and keep an eye out for all of our Week 9 NFL podcasts right here on the Action Network.
Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.